I myself, the producer of this podcast, is not eligible to diagnose anyone with a mental health disorder. This podcast is purely for artists discussing the mental health hurdles they struggle with on a daily basis. Enjoy. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Where's My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. And today I have an artist on who I met, I want to say, in the winter of 2021 through Clubhouse. Um, we found ourselves kind of in the same rooms. For those who remember Clubhouse, as you know, you just bounce from room to rooms. You can curate some rooms yourself, but we bounced around a lot um, in same filmmaking or filmmakers type rooms. And then we ended up connecting through other social media platforms. Um, we've tried writing something together. Um, we've just stayed in touch, you know, here and there. I know we're both very, very busy. Um, I'm talking to writer, director, producer, Jesse Eastman. What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on here. I think this is a cool thing to be doing. No, no, I appreciate you, you coming on. Um, I, um, you know, like I said, we, we met, you know, virtually, I will say meet in quotation, (laughs) but we met like about a year ago, um, our, our, I think our love for you know Richard Linklater right there was like okay we'll we're we're we'll be cool <laughs> you know with that because I know he's one of your inspirations I could definitely tell within your work um, and and I really like the fact that you wanted to talk about the pressures of making it as a writer director I think a lot of people always think of pressures you know for acting more so than anything um, but I think the pressures still are just as heavy you know, for a writer director versus like an actor, um, was, was there a specific reason you wanted to pick this topic to talk about? Not really. It's just, it's what I do. Um, I write and direct. And so it's just the lens through which I see, um, the world and, and the way that I, um, talk about art. Um, I do, act. I used to be an actor. I started as an actor and um, I never really tried to make it in film as an actor. I was, I was a theater major in college and um, I did start acting in film and quickly realized that I prefer kind of telling the stories and being behind the camera. So I still will act here or there, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's not a perspective that I have a strong attachment to anymore. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because you do there's a lot of media around about um, the struggles of being an actor. And, and, you know, when you think of rejection in, in this medium, you do think of going out and auditioning and being rejected. And it feels um, more personal because they're rejecting, you know, the person, not the idea. Um, but there's something to be said about how difficult it is for um, an idea or a concept of yours to be rejected, um, even though it doesn't feel the same way. Um, I think that, having experienced both, it definitely stings in, in a similar way. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's, um, I, I think, you know, I don't know if you've ever submitted your scripts to like screen, like to festivals or, you know, I know there's screenwriting contest festivals, you know, things out there to get your scripts picked up. Um, I, I, know, I haven't um, necessarily done that for my screenplays, um, but I, you know, I know a few people who have, and the, you know, I think the, it's just like a film festival, you know, you enter it and then the, the waiting around to see like, Oh, did I get in? Did it submit? Did it not? I think it's just, 
you know, I think for filmmakers, like having your films, you know, once it's either written down and, and you know, before it's a concept or if it's in post-production, you know, if it's picture wrapped, post-production and it's a final piece and you put it in there, there's still some pressure of like getting it out to the world and, and it and it succeeding at, at, at festivals. I think that's the pressure of that is just as equal to, you know, acting because acting, you know, you I think the pressure of making it, you know, you feel rejected in a sense of. Um, you know the the rejection you may feel like in an audition room, or you know, I guess yeah, I guess more so in an audition room. I I feel like I don't know what sense of rejection you could feel as an actor if you've gotten casted and you're on set. You know, um, I feel like when you're on set, the feeling for me, I, I don't know about you, the feeling of rejection being on set, it's not there. It's always like in the beginning, <laughs> you know, the beginning stages, or even sometimes the end. You know, the end result where your film doesn't make it to a festival. Yeah. I think the acting is definitely more in the, you know, you're putting yourself out there, you're auditioning. Um, and then you do see some rejection in, um, you know, when people are commenting on the final product, if your performance um, stands out in a negative way, or yeah. um, even if it's, um, if it doesn't stand out at all, that can feel like a rejection. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's definitely this, this, um, this show business thing is just full of rejection, but, um, yeah, I, I had a really hard time with rejection. That's one of the reasons why I stopped doing acting as much because rejection was just very painful. I took it very hard. And, um, then I started writing and directing and realized that, you know, it's unavoidable if you want to make art. Um, rejection comes in different forms for me now, but it's like in my community, it's small enough that you always know all of other people's projects that are going on at the same time for the most part. And you see actors who will read a script of yours and say like, Hey, I'm not really sure if I'm connected to it enough to commit the amount of days, but then you will see them working on other people's projects that you, you know, in your own mind, you're like, why would they, why would they take time off of work to do something like that? It, it has less nuance than the thing I do, but it's, um, it's a mix of, you know, people not necessarily wanting to work for you and wanting to work for other people because they really get along with that other person, or um, maybe they, they just don't connect with the kind of material that you write. That's the main mm -hmm. thing I've um, come across, especially early on. I wrote a lot of similar kinds of things and I, I, pushed myself to branch out because I was kind of getting tired of being labeled in one way as a, as a writer. Um, but the stuff I write, that, what was the genre? What was the, um, what were the stories? Heads, a lot of people are like, you know, your scripts are really well written, but it's just two people talking the whole time. Um, and that's what I like. I mean, I do love all kinds of movies, but the movies that I like the most are very conversational. Um, and I like dialogue is, is kind of my big thing. And so, you have a lot of people who just aren't that interested in that. They'd rather do a horror movie or they'd rather go out there and do an action movie that doesn't necessarily have anything interesting to say, but may, might be more fun for them to experience. You know, a lot of the actors around, at least in my area, they really want to do something that's going to be more fun. Um, and there's less interest in doing something that's thought provoking, less people will watch it. So, you know, everyone's making career decisions. You can, you can certainly respect their choices, but it, it's definitely, it's tough sometimes. And can you, um, for the folks, you know, who, like I said, who are um, just listening and tuning in, wh where are you from? 
I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, for those of you who are not geographically aware, Nebraska is like basically the centermost state. Um, we're technically a part of the Midwest. Um, most people have heard of Omaha. Omaha is the biggest city. And then Lincoln, where I live, is the capital. We're only about 45 minutes away from Omaha. So I do a lot of my work in Omaha. I don't even really say that I'm a, a Lincoln filmmaker because I spend so much time working in Omaha that I basically work there. I just live here in Lincoln. Yeah. Um, but I am no. moving, in a year I'm moving to Austin, Texas. So are you moving there obviously to pursue film or is yep. there that's awesome? Moving there to pursue film. Austin has a great film community, one of the top indie film communities in the country. Um, there's also a huge film studio being built right now just outside of Austin um that's going to open up in about a year a little over a year and you have Um, south by southwest yeah they're south by southwest um richard linklater happens to be from there the austin film society which was founded by him is there um and when i went with my wife last summer um i got to go to the austin film society cinema and watch a movie and it was a blast so you fell in love with it when you went right yeah it felt very culturally we went down to texas um, because we knew we were it's your honeymoon, right? You're like the late honeymoon. Yeah, it was our second honeymoon. We went second on honeymoon. um, so a little backstory. We were supposed to go to Mexico for our honeymoon, but COVID happened, so we canceled our flight, and then we decided to just go into a cabin in Colorado, which is about an eight-hour drive from where we live. Um, so that was kind of a last-second change, and so we decided to go to Austin the following summer. And that was essentially our replacement honeymoon for what was going to be our first honeymoon. Yeah. So, yeah, we we went to San Antonio and Austin and Dallas for a few days each um, because we really, for my wife's career as well, Texas seemed like the only place that the both of us could agree on. Um, there were places that I might have liked a little bit more, but they just they, they didn't really work for her for her yeah. job. Um, but my wife teaches um, ELL um, and she's fluent in Spanish. Um, and Texas, uh, yeah. yeah, her goal, um, she's actually almost done with her second master's. Her long-term goal is wow. to is to work on the curriculum and help make the curriculum for um, native Spanish speakers a little bit more um, fair and easy as they you know learn English and learn to live in a new country. And so the place where that's going to be the most important job is Texas. South, yeah. you know, um, so we That's knew we wanted cool. Texas and we, we love San Antonio as well. Um, but Austin just, it's very liberal. We're very liberal. It just matches our vibe when we yeah. were there, but he was, everybody was young and our. Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like that's the, that is the, I don't want to say like the city of the future kind of thing, but it, it seems like a lot of like comedy festivals, um, obviously you know south by southwest is massive even like 10 12 years ago like that's when i first heard of it and i was like oh this is a music and film festival like you know but yeah no austin is is growing man that's pretty awesome when you first told me you were from nebraska i was like that's that's really you know i don't know anyone from there obviously being from the east coast and i just imagine and maybe i'm this is me be not being foolish but i just assume like nebraska is just beautiful in the sense of like um the landscape of it you know you 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 probably have a different view of it but i feel like you know because i'm coming from like the suburbs where houses are on top of houses and i have to drive about an hour just to kind of get away from like society and you know all that 
and I might be wrong. Like I said, I just I figured Nebraska or Omaha would be really like, especially like the films I know that you you enjoy making and and doing, and I could just see it being more cinematic. But when you were down in Austin, did you um, like was your like brain just going is like oh man like you know not thinking like oh when you went down there you were gonna move there but like were you just like this is like this is cool places to film like you go to a different city and you're like this would be really cool to shoot here shoot there like do you there's so much cool stuff in austin there's so many neighborhoods that have different vibes that's not really something you have in the midwest obviously in the east coast that's a very common thing different mm-hmm. neighborhoods bring totally different vibes you even you know in new york i have a one of my best friends for years and years and years moved out to brooklyn two years ago with his girlfriend um and they were always talking to me about how brooklyn is you know it's it's its own thing and then you go over to queens and they have a totally different thing and that's just not really it doesn't exist here there's not uh, there's not a lot of like nuance like you kind of have what you have here um so i love that there's a lot of different places that give different architectural vibes and um cinematic looks um when we were there we did know that we were going to be moving already we we hadn't decided specifically on austin but we were there to kind of help determine if it was going to be austin or san antonio or if we didn't like either one then we were like well, maybe texas isn't the best choice so um it was kind of a a research trip as well as a honeymoon and yeah i loved it we we went all around we spent four days in Austin and we, we drove back and forth all over as much as we could. And there's a cool little Richard Linklater tour online. If you go to the visit Austin website, um, they have like a little tour of like um, the restaurant where, um, so my all time favorite movie is days confused yeah. for context. The, um, the burger place where all the cars are parked out. That's obviously in Austin. So we went there and I took a picture there and yeah. they have actually, they have the, um, the, the, the paddle that Ben Affleck's character has that That's says cool. you on it. They have it like behind like a glass um, with like everybody's autographs on it and stuff. And so it was cool to go around and see places from like my favorite movies. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was very dreamy. You nice. don't have that here. Um, you know, there is a weird thing with Nebraska because a lot of famous people are from here. Like a lot of really iconic people in film are from here but films aren't made here that often terms of endearment was probably the biggest thing ever filmed here. Um, the movie Nebraska was obviously filmed here. Do you think, well, do you, is it have to do with like, um, what is it like? Does it have to do with um, not like taxes and stuff, but it, you know, like incentives. I know Florida's, you know, Florida's like that, like where that's why I kind of like, you know, you know, that's what that was not the main reason I moved back home to New Jersey from Florida, but like the incentives were just, you know, people were leaving Florida left and right. And it's like, okay, like what the hell, you know? So do you think it's incentives or do you think it's just like, it's just not what people are? I, I don't know. It's, I, don't, I don't even want to say it's not what people are looking for because I really do think like there are certain places they film in the Midwest that are just like gorgeous. And I, and I, like I said, I know you probably look at where you grew up and you're like, yeah, there's nothing gorgeous about this shit. <laughs> you know that? Cause that's how I was when I, you know, in Jersey. And then I left and I was like, you get a little bit more of an appreciation for like what's around here. But, but yeah, do you know why, why like why film isn't really jumping? Um, I mean, 
I can get into our local film scene, but that would take so long and it wouldn't really be relevant to anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know why. I think Nebraska is just so far on an island and there are places that can give you similar looks to Nebraska that aren't going to require as much travel if you're like, you know, living on a coast. Um, and yeah, the film incentive thing is not great here. We have like one town that passed this bill. So like all of our like big movies are made in this town called Fremont here because they passed mm-hmm. a bill locally, but like statewide, like there's really no incentive. Um, the only people that ever make movies here are because they're from here. Like Alexander Payne does a lot of projects here. Yeah. Um, up in the air, you know, it was partially filmed here. Um, so like, if you're not from here, if you don't have like, you know, the, the Altmans are from here as well. Robert Altman's son um, does his stuff here a lot. But like people who aren't rooted in Nebraska don't really think like, huh, what does Nebraska have that nobody else has? You know, yeah, there are you. there are things worth filming here. There's there's some good scenery if you really like the Great Plains. Mm-hmm. You just it's a very plain, gorgeous. It's not it doesn't stand out, but it's it's simple. The simplicity of it is pretty at times, um, but it just it doesn't really have anything that you can't find elsewhere. And because gotcha. we're literally as far as you could be into the middle of the country, it's like, do we really want to bring a bunch of crew out? Because the thing with like places like Austin and Atlanta and um, Vancouver, you have these hubs that aren't obviously as big as LA and New York, but you have them all around. And you know that there's enough film going on that there's a lot of really talented freelancers who have done film. So it's like if somebody in California wants to produce a movie here, they have to decide, A, are we paying extra to have all of these people come down from California? And are we taking this whole movie and moving it to Nebraska, even though we can probably find somewhere in like Northern California that looks like it's the Midwest? Yeah. Or can we trust that there's enough people in Lincoln, Nebraska who know what they're doing that we can hire and save money and hire locally without ruining the quality of our movie. So um, there are just so many other hubs that like Vancouver, for instance, is really commonly used for everything because during half the year, it, it looks like New York and during half the year, it looks like LA. Yeah you watch a lot of movies and you can tell that they weren't filmed in LA. They were filmed in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you have enough places like that, that there's really no reason to bring a project to Nebraska. Unfortunately. That sucks. That Just, really does. There's a few big ones. Two Wong Fu was filmed in a really small town here as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not a big, it's never going to be that kind of place, which mm-hmm. is fine. Cause what you get with it is, more freedom to grow as an artist like it would have been invaluable to me it's invaluable to me now knowing how i started here because there's a novelty to filmmaking because it's not every you know in austin what i'm not looking forward to is when i'm out location scouting and i'm like hey can i use your bar can you close down for an hour can i come in on the weekend when you're closed everybody's going to be like okay you're the you know i yeah point my finger and there's another local filmmaker here like what what makes you special yeah where i live um it's enough of a rarity that most people will accommodate just because it's interesting they may never be asked again they just want to tell people like you know i helped produce a movie i got a producer credit i have my own imdb page because 
these people wanted to use a hotel room at my hotel. You have people who, you know, it's interesting to them and they will probably never be asked to be involved in a film. So they're going to be more accommodating, but in a place like Austin or, or even a place like New York or LA, it's like, you're a lot less likely to get favors because everyone that lives there is doing the same thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like with bigger cities like that, you're going to always, always get that. So how is it, you know, how can you differentiate or stand out in a bigger city or how can you make it work in a smaller city? I know you mentioned Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta is getting bigger by the, by the year Ozark is filmed in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, Netflix films have like a lot of their stuff in Atlanta, even though their main, their main place is Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. They have another thing in Atlanta, I believe. And yeah. So it's just, it's just wild, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm glad you were able to kind of like, you know, introduce yourself a little bit here. Cause I, I think I'd, I really enjoyed kind of like hearing where you were from when we first met, because it's just everyone's LA or New York. It seems like really, it really does. Or Atlanta now at this point. Um, so it's nice. And, and your work is, is really, I really enjoy your work. You've sent me a few films over the last year. Um, you know, I've seen trailers of, of, I think I loved, is it, I love, I don't want to get it wrong. It's the black and white film. I keep seeing you post about, uh, for the for the love of dick yeah um that just looks really all like it just looks really beautiful and pretty um and i think that's where you know where you, i know you said like when you go to austin what makes you different well hey why don't you take a look at my director reel like look at my shit honestly like that's kind of what it is like i know it might sound silly but like directors and writers reels and acting reels even that's what like okay like this is what you're getting you're showcasing that's your that's your resume digital resume in my opinion you know um so. i've been told that there's really no such thing as a writer's reel like you can make one but it's not commonplace to make one it isn't you can yeah. just send over a sample of your writing yeah but i do think writer reels should be more common because it's a lot faster to watch a four minute clip that has like little 30 second blurbs and you can show a variety versus asking somebody to read a 20 30 page script yeah or several different five page scripts yeah uh, if you can hook someone, like if you can, if somebody watches 30 seconds of a scene that you wrote that was, whether it was directed by you or someone else, and they, when the scene ends, they want to like see, you know, they wish it didn't end and they wanted to see it continue, then I think that that's just as much of a testament of your writing as reading, a, you know, a three-page script or whatever. I agree because on, on screen, you can kind of see it kind of have, I think on screen, there's more life to it than reading it, you know? Yeah, it's the really um, weird thing because most like when you have to like send scripts um, for like writing jobs and stuff, people want like three page samples or something. I'm like, what are you going to get from three pages? Like, yeah, I don't really yeah. understand how you could possibly determine if I'm right for the job. Yeah. If we both wrote three pages. Yeah, exactly. I think it has to be a little bit. I never understood like one page scripts when my professor would talk about that. Like, I guess like it it, it works for like small projects, but I feel like it's very tough to do. So um, when it comes to like, I guess, feeling rejected, do you think it's more so like self-imposed or do you think it's um, from outside forces? And by outside forces, I really do mean like social media or anyone in your life who may not be as supportive as you thought they were like is it a mixture of both or where where does it come for you i think it's a mixture of both in any case um i think you know social media is a double-edged sword 
it's it's always so great when you know when you least expect it but having this constant comparison to other people even whether you're an actor or a writer you're going to look at other people that do what you do and you're going to constantly be comparing like their success to yours and that's something that existed before social media but is obviously much easier and accessible to do now that we have so much social media mm-hmm. but yeah it's mainly self-imposed I think when you are writing and directing material you're not and I kind of touch on this earlier you're not selling yourself even though if you're you know when you're an actor you're selling your acting ability but so much of why people are chosen for roles is unrelated to how good they are as an actor you know you hear all these stories of people will walk in and if they're like an inch taller than what the producers want they'll just not even listen they'll just let you read and then leave and it, you could have given the best audition ever but they checked out the second they realized that you were 510 instead of six foot or whatever so so much of it is based on the person but when you sit down and you create an idea and you have this connection with something before you ever share it with other people um, and then you're trying to convince other people that it's worth their time. Um, it, to me, it honestly feels worse when when you get criticism or when when you feel rejected, um, because they're not really rejecting you as a person. They're they're rejecting something that you put, you know, so much thought and work into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes me a lot longer to write and direct a movie than it does to memorize a two-page script and go into an audition or or hop on a zoom and do a little quick read audition you know rejection is always going to be tough but when you create something from nothing and people don't find it interesting um yeah it it hurts yeah that that has to be the worst that has to be the worst feeling like honestly ever is you know you because you're you know when you're writing and you're a writer I i feel like that's there's so many like different I guess I'll call them positions in this industry that make you very vulnerable. I don't know as a director, maybe you can, you know, help me with this as a director of the things I've directed. I haven't really ever shown like my vulnerability. I felt like with, with, with directing, I always felt like it was more um, for me, like not a coach, but like you're kind of rallying your troops and you're kind of like getting them together. Like I've done a lot of pep talks with my actors before certain scenes. Right when I've written and when I've acted is when I've felt the most like vulnerable, right? The most like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, uh, I don't know if I can take myself there. I don't know if like my headspace will allow me to write this, you know? And I think writing, I really don't think writing has ever talked about much about, about that, you know, you know, I feel like it's only like within like people who are, are really good writers such as yourself and like my buddy's a really good writer. Like you guys feel it deeply. Like, you know, like this, it, this is very tough to do. Yeah. Writing is just incredibly personal. Um, and it's so, you know, I don't know. Writing is the hardest thing to gauge. Like if somebody likes your writing, mm-hmm. people who are actors, they want jobs, like they want to work and it takes time and it takes experience to tell which actors are doing it not necessarily because they're connected to it, but because they think it may be good for them or maybe they like you a lot as a person and they don't really care about the project. They just want to work with you. Um, It takes a lot longer and you have to work the muscles to kind of gauge how people are responding to your writing. Um, I did want to ask though, the way you talked about directing, it made me think, are you not, you're not directing stuff you've written that often, right? It's usually other people. 
Um, it's a mixture of my, it's a mixture of, of my own and yeah, it's, it's, it's always been like more so my, my own, the past few times has been other people's writing. So maybe that's, that's where it differentiates, you know, um, a lot less pressure when I'm um, directing someone else's writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I also love it when other people direct my writing, um, at this point in my career, I feel that my writing is so far above my uh, abilities as a director. Um, that it's interesting that you're able to kind of um, recognize that too. Well, it's funny too because when I started, so like I said, I started as an actor. I had acted in a couple movies, and I found myself so intrigued by the process that I was like, okay, I'm gonna be a director now. I yeah. want to be a director. And so I started writing scripts so that I would have stuff to direct. And then after a while, it became very clear that my script writing was stronger than my directing. And I was, I was pretty down on it for a long time. And then I was like, that's, that's not a bad thing. Like being able to craft a story is really interesting. And so when I can write something and give it to somebody who I think is really talented director, sometimes that's more enjoyable because then I can't mess it up. Sometimes I'll be directing something and I'm like, the potential for this is so much bigger than my potential as a director. My ceiling right now with the amount of experience I have, my ceiling is lower than the ceiling for this project if it were in someone else's hands. And so it can make directing more stressful when you're kind of thinking about it in such a negative way. Um, yeah, that's, that's the hard thing when, yeah. you, when you direct stuff that you've written, you know, you create, the idea came from nothing and you created, or, or, I mean, ideas are influenced by other ideas that exist. Yeah. We all know this, but like you put words on a page when there was nothing on a page. And to me, that's the most pure form of creativity. It's, it's equivalent of painting or making like sculpture out of something. You're taking something that's not a thing that's artistic and you're literally creating life with it. Um, and then everything after that is just trying to keep it on pace to be as good as it could. Yeah. I mean, like depending on what you're like, if you're writing a web series, a TV series, a feature, yeah, it's like, how do you keep this kind of ball rolling of inspiration and, and everything with, with writing, you know? And to go back to what you said, yeah, I, there's been a few projects of mine that, well, there's one, I, I try to do different things every time I do a new project, you know, like lately I've been trying to just act and produce. I hate saying just, I've been, I've been trying to act and produce and hand it off to someone, um, you know, to direct um, a project I did in October, I act and produced a friend of mine wrote it and another friend of mine directed it. Right. So like that was a really interesting experience. The last one I just did a few weeks ago in April of 2021, um, was, I, I, it was, I, I directed it. My buddy wrote it and he, and then I directed it and he's, you know, he's a buddy of mine. I do a pod, my other podcast with ranting and raving. And he was kind of like, um, He's like, I really think you're a good director because you were able to connect with people really well. And I was like, well, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that. I, I, I'm starting to get like the imposter syndrome of like thinking, am I a real writer? Because I haven't been able to sit down and write anything because I'm just my, I got a lot, just a lot going on. And I know it's an excuse, you know, I, I maybe I use what's going on and I write down on paper and I see, you know, like what, what, what comes out eventually. Um, but right now I think I'm 
kind of like all my eggs are in like the basket of acting and producing and directing was fun but i was like yeah i don't know if i'll do directing in a very long time because it's just a lot for me like it's just so like you have to answer to everybody right and you and for me it's like i don't want to sound like i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about if i'm trying to explain like how what the scene's about you know certain things but when it comes to like my material i wrote and directed i think i'm obviously more like tuned in and 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 more hyper focused than ever you know you know hyper focus is it's another double-edged sword because like it makes it harder for you to adjust as you go along when you've already sat with an idea so long and you have this idea in your head about how it's going to go, you have to pivot because naturally in all film, especially the lower your budget, the more likely you are to have to make changes on the fly. Um, It gets really difficult to do those things and do them in an objective way when, when you have too much, you know, tunnel vision. So like I've directed other people's stuff and I'm like, you know, I still want it to be great. It's not like I don't care as much as when I write, but I don't have this thing inside me that's guiding me like a compass for the project. I'm I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and I'm like, okay, I can easily work around that problem by doing this um, because I didn't make a map for how I wanted to do it to begin with. Mm-hmm. I was already given a blueprint and then I'm just supposed to, you know, build from it. So yeah, it's tough. I, I still want to be a writer director, so I'll I'll keep directing and I'm and hoping that it that it goes. I have the same thing as you. People, actors love working with me. Um, I work with a lot of the same actors. Um, I was an actor for such a long time that I I really enjoy that part of filmmaking the most anyway. At working with the actors, um, especially involving them in the script writing. Once I have a draft, I really. One, I So the way that I write is most of the time I have a basic idea. If I don't already tell somebody about the idea and know that they're interested before I actually write a script, then I take like two or three people that I know in my area um, that I think would be really good for the role. And then I write it specifically to their style of performance. Yeah. So I write for actors. So like I'll write something for an actor and sometimes they're not available and then i'll find another actor and then i immediately go back and change the script when i have a new actor so i write so much specifically to the actors that i know i'm I'm gonna have that once i have a draft i really want them to kind of tell me like you know this doesn't really make any sense or like my input is this and sometimes i don't agree with their opinions and then i don't take them but like involving the actors is so important to me as someone who was an actor. And I always got so frustrated when I was doing theater, when I would get notes from a director, like, this is how you do it. And I would say like, I'm not saying no, like, obviously I'll do it, but like, can you just explain to me? Like, I feel like that's not my natural instinct. And and so I just want to know what my motivation is. And um, when you're an actor, sometimes you get a lot of like, well, that's just the way that I want it. And you have to do it. Like, that's what you sign up to do but it really makes you feel like you're just regurgitating. It makes you feel like you're walking and talking and, and like you're this piece that could literally be filled with anybody. Um, and I hated that. That was the number one thing I hated about acting, which is why it was so interesting when I realized that I was really probably a filmmaker all along um, because that was the main thing that always made me mad. I did not like not feeling like I had any influence on, on it from a story standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
working with the actors and, and, and talking to them and trying to come up with new things on set and, and um, just relating to the, the feeling of trying to perform and have your own piece of the pie, but also you're, you are performing duties for someone. You're, you're trying to give them what they want without completely, like I said, going through the motions. You, it's a weird line between like having your own individuality as a performer and then also giving the performance that you're being asked to give. Um, and as someone who experienced that and struggled with it, it's so fun for me to work with actors. But it's taken a long time for me to like really care and, and um, put focus into like the technical stuff. And I've always had to write my shot list. I started out writing my shot list before I really knew how to. So like from a technical standpoint, a lot of my early stuff looks like someone who had never made a shot list because it's pretty basic. There's not like a lot of visual flair to it. Yeah. Um, so like the technical side is coming along and it has been, but if I could just co-direct everything and my job be to work with the actors and, and the script and constantly be making sure that that's where it needs to be and then have the other director um, work hand in hand with all of the technical side and make the technical side look good, um, that would be the most ideal. But Yeah, I mean, uh, you might be the only director I know who is that open and willing to um, have that connection or that rapport with actors I, I there's times where i'm writing something i will i'm very open to someone being like um you know like well you know i figured this character would say it this way i'm very open to that like if the if the and that's the, to me that's part of the actor's job to come and, and kind of give their own interpretation of what's going on right of what's happening of what what they think this character is is going through. So I'm very open to all of that. I'm open to you coming to the table, and if it works that way, we'll try it that way, you know? But I think a part of me is also like, you know, obviously, you know, ego is a big part of this this industry. A part of me is like, well, don't I don't want to change too much because it's like, you know, because then it's like, then it won't be mine. You know, I used to feel that way a lot, you know? When I was 24, 25 years old, I was like, I was very like, nah, this kind of got to be my way or no way. And I was, yeah, I was, you know, I, there was times where I went, went about that route. It's my way or no way. And everyone's like, well, all right, we'll do it your way. And my way was just garbage, you know? So when you bring on some people to help you out, I think, you know, and you're able to kind of like, you know, I don't know, just be open-minded to it, you know? Like, I think because what I'm seeing versus what you're seeing, like if you're my AD or vice versa, I might be seeing something differently. And if I'm, if I feel comfortable enough to like approach you and tell you that, and then you're like, awesome. Yeah. You know, other times people are like, I don't want your fucking opinion. Like, Oh shit. All right. Well, (laughs) you know, like then we'll, we'll leave it at that. But I think you have to have that open rapport for like, for your cast and also for your crew, because I think it will just make your project that much better in my opinion. 100%. I've never really had that like my way or the highway mentality, but (laughs) definitely had to develop more of like somebody will suggest something. And if I don't like, if I immediately am just like, no, like that's not good. I'll say like, I don't think we're going to do that, but I, you know, I don't want to discourage you from giving more ideas. So I 
I might not like this one, um, but that's rare. Like in, in most cases, if somebody can explain to me, if somebody can lobby for an idea and, and I even question it at all, then I find time to at least try it once. And that way we have it. That person feels like they're validated. They got at least one attempt at their idea, but then we have several of the way that we were doing it before. Um, because if they were right, you know, they're going to love seeing that in the final part. They're going to be like, dang, like that was me. Like I came up with that, but then if they're, if they're wrong, they're wrong. And you know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's good to have an open mind, you know? Um, it's tough though, because there are a lot of actors who don't, and this was something that just, I did not understand it. I thought all actors were going to be like, cause I was like that. I was always a pest. Like any director who's ever directed me will tell you like, God, he was always, he had ideas or he was always wanting read. Like he wanted to really understand why everything was done. Like, I can't even believe I made directors explain so much. Anytime I didn't understand why I was doing something, I'm like, okay, you got to tell me why, like you got to explain it in a way that I can understand because to me it's wrong. So maybe that made me, you know, difficult to work with when I was an actor, but I don't really give a fuck. Um, anyway, my point is, um, God, what was my point? I kind of lost my train of thought, didn't I? Um, hold on, give me, give me. No, a you're second. good. <laughs> um, oh yeah, some actors don't like it. I assumed everybody would like that, but I've worked with actors who are like, they really don't want, whether they think that they should be. Like if you ask them to be an actor and they're only going to be credited as an actor, then for like career reasons, they don't want to give a lot of notes on the script because that crosses out of being an actor and that you're like asking them to like help write the script, which I think is ridiculous. Like if you're in it for the love of the art, then like stop being an asshole. Like, don't you want to make it better? Like, but whatever that's, I digress on that. No, Some no. People, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's interesting that, some people also just like, they don't like the pressure. Like they just want to show up and be told kind of what to do. Like they like give themselves up to what the director wants. And that's like kind of what they prefer to do. And they don't really like the having um, a lot of opinions on the story and, and things like that. And so there were a lot of times where I would have table reads. Like anytime I work on a project, we do read through. I have everybody give me notes and I make rewrites before we film. So that if people, and I don't always include people's ideas, but usually they have good ideas. If there's a line that sounds weird or if there's a scene that doesn't work, um, I want to know that before we film so that we can be efficient on set. Um, and some people will just like, they don't want to give a lot of notes. Like I worked on this web series. We never ended up filming it. And there are like four or five actors that were going to be in it who all have the same acting coach in our little town. They live in the town next to me, Omaha. They all have the same acting coach. And um, in the thing I was saying, like, hey, I'm going to send you guys all questionnaires. You've all you've all read all the episodes. It questions like, are there any characters that stand out to you? Um, are there any characters that um, seem weak, that seem like they don't really need to be there? Just basic questions. Um, and I got I got the same response back from all four of the people who have this acting coach. And they're like, um, that's not really within our boundaries as a, as a acting. If you want us to fill these out, then you have to give us writing credits. And I'm like, you're not writing a fucking line. Why would I give you line writing credits for answering a question about like the impressions that you get? Like, 
Yeah. I think that it's inappropriate to give me ideas, whether I take them or not. And not like, I just thought that that was so ridiculous. Um, and another time there's this person on clubhouse. We probably talked with her together, so I won't say her name, um, but she's an actress in Texas and she was going to do a zoom read of a script of mine. And actually, I think you were going to do it too, but then you were busy or something. Mm-hmm. It was a feature length script of mine. Um, and I told her, she was like, yeah, I'll totally do it. She was going to play one of the lead roles. And then a few days before um, we were texting and I said like, Hey, don't forget, like plan to stay after half an hour to give feedback on the script. And she's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really do feedback. Like you're asking me to read for you. And I was like, okay, well, I told you when I asked you that there would be feedback involved, so you can fuck off and I'll find someone else. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy that you say that because I, I, I don't know, man, I, I don't know. This is going to, I don't know how this is going to sound, but it, it is what it is. I think sometimes I'm a little too, too nice with people in, in this industry in the sense of like, I think you were, you mentioned it in the beginning of the episode where um, people will just, I've had every one of my projects I've ever done. I've had besides this past one, I've had people tell me the actors or yeah, it's been mainly actors. Um, They've quit like days, hours, weeks before production after getting casted, after getting hired, essentially. And I've tried, I tried my damnedest to pay everyone on set. That means if I have to save money and pull out of my own, you know, out of my own money and pay people, I do that. There's a whole other episode that could be about, you know, feeling like a failure with like dropping so much money down and then it kind of going nowhere, right? But that's not what we're talking about. People have like some some of the fucking audacity people have. I thought you were gonna go with the story of her being like, "Well, aren't you gonna pay me?" Like, are you serious? Like, no, you you offered to do a goddamn table read like on Clubhouse over Zoom over Zoom. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, come on. Okay. Local actors, um, but I had connected with her on Clubhouse, and we had very similar taste, and mm-hmm. we were really good friends. And so I was like, "Hey, you're an actress, like." Would you want to hop in a Zoom on this day? You'll be reading mainly with people I know from where right. I live. Um, but like, I want to hear you read for the main role just, you know, because I think you're good, you, you know, based on what you've told me. Um, but yeah, she didn't ask about money. She knew it was free, but she was like, yeah, I don't really give feedback. I'm like, okay, well, bye. Like I told you when I asked you that if you would read and give feedback, and but you waited until a few days before to, to say no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just people have the audacity to be very like, 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 I I don't know. I'm going to just sound like an asshole, but it just sounds like people act like they're, they're bigger than they are. Like, or they're, 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 they think they're, they're on a higher horse than you are. And it's like, we're all trying to like, we all have the same goal or maybe not. Maybe, maybe we don't. I think most, you end up gravitating towards people who have the same, um, who want the same things out of this industry, right? I think people who are money hungry and want to just do it for money, I think they're going to be together and they will, you know, do their own thing. People who want to make really good work and really good art and really good content and all of that, they're going to gravitate towards each other and they're, they're understand. Okay. I understand that my day, you know, I might do two back to back 12 hour days, but I'm doing it because I love it, you know? So I think that happens, but for people to kind of, I don't know, act as if, you know, I've never been rejected as a director, but then you look back and I'm like, wait, 
every one of my projects, someone has said that they don't want to work. They don't want to be a part of it. I'm like, I thought I was alone. Like for the first couple of years I did this, I was like, why does it seem like at least one, sometimes more people quit every project I do? Like, is it something I'm doing wrong? And then the more I talk to other people, it's like, that's literally just independent film. Like people are yeah. always flaking. Like, oh yeah one person sometimes like four people like it's crazy but it's also the real root of the problem is that like and this might sound bad I don't know but like I don't think there's enough appreciation for somebody choosing you to be in something that they created like you don't have to like kiss their feet and like owe them anything but like if somebody because here's the thing I don't even do auditions usually anymore I will sometimes audition but like for the most part now I just cast people that I want and like sometimes they say they're busy and that's fine and sometimes people take the role and they give like no fucking effort they're like missing zoom meetings they're um they're like super unresponsive over text and it's like I thought of you like I have this idea that like there's so many people I could have chosen and I specifically came to you because I think you're amazing and you could have said no if you really weren't interested but it's even more offensive if you take a role and then treat it like it's just any other thing. Like, be fucking appreciative that I even, like, it just, like, maybe that sounds bad, but, like, there's just uh. no fucking gratitude around, like, and that's the thing. When I was an actor, like, when that was my main thing, I was so, like, I was so happy anytime anybody wanted me to do something and I just wanted them to like what I did. Um, and I wanted it to be, that's the thing. I, I, I took over a lot of projects like that. That whole reason why I would want to know everything, because when you ask me to be on a film, it's now partially my film. Like I want to have ownership over it yeah. because I want it to be as good as it can be as well. No, um, I, I feel that way too. And I run really. into that now. I also hate like being a producer, but everybody around where I live wants me to help produce their movies because I've kind of gained a reputation. And you're good knowing, at it. Yeah. Knowing a lot of actors, being able to find locations. I'm kind of a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a talker, I guess. So like I can get people to agree to let me use their location sometimes. I've had some success with it. It's so your approach to. Yeah. A lot of people are like, hey, like I have this I, like script and uh, like I just need your help, like helping me find actors and helping me just be organized and I'm like that's not even really a skill set I have I developed it out of necessity yeah but people will get mad when I when I you ask me to be a producer on your film it's now I also want it to be as good exactly the best that it can be not only because my name is on it but because you came to me I yeah. find it so awesome that you came to me and asked me even if I don't even like the idea I'm gonna find things to connect to because I'm so grateful that you thought that I would be able to make it better that now I have to make it better. Like I have to do everything I can to make it better. And so seeing people just treat, you know, treat roles like, you know, like, like it's any old thing. It's yeah. I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I, it's, I think it's um, things take, I think people take everything for granted. Not that this is the same situation, but I, I have been, just I don't know what you would call it, but I've just have like just realizations a lot the last six six seven months about just myself, right? And I've been like, I have never enjoyed like I look back at all my films I've done since moving back home, and they've won they've won awards 
in Jersey and, you know, I've been to festivals within the United States and I've won awards for them and it's, it's, it's nice, but I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not shit. Right. And I'm not saying awards should equate to you feeling anything, but if I ever get down on myself, I could just look to the left to me or like on my wall and be like, Oh, oh I have an award. That's, that's, that, that should be inspiring, you know, inspiring, inspirational, you know, but I, I've told my wife, I was like, I have yet to really enjoy, like, I, I don't think I ever really like enjoyed making the movie while I was making the movie or making the project for, of my own, not like being on set as an, as an actor, you know, like when you're on set as an actor and it's so much different than being a writer director personally, because as an actor, if it's, for your for someone else's project you got hired on there is a lot of downtime depending your role like so the past few acting gigs i've gotten that you know from just being casted and whatnot there's been a lot you know they haven't been big roles so they've been small roles but with a lot of like really nice dialogue i I, you know really stuff for good stuff for my reel and but i've had downtime to catch up and just bullshit with people but when i'm directing i was boom boom you know i was going 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 and I even like I t- like I said that I told my wife I was like I haven't been able to enjoy any of this I was like what like that sucks like it sucks because it's like it's been seven years of me doing eight eight years twenty fourteen well, I'll say twenty fifteen it's been like seven years then of me doing four or five films of my own and I haven't been able like I'm I don't want to appreciate it now right I want to be able to appreciate it while I'm making it and I don't know if it's because I was too busy or like every project I've seemed to have done minus the last two of my own, there's been, um, there was always fallouts and issues with people along the project. So maybe that's why I, 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 you know, I look back and I'm like, man, man, maybe it was just toxic. And I didn't, you know, at the time I was just trying to power through, but like, man, it's like, why didn't I appreciate it more? And I'm trying to just appreciate things more instead of like at the end of my life, I'm like, man, like I did all this cool shit and like, I'm just now realizing it now. Like I got to appreciate it like in the moment, you know? And I think I don't do that with any of my projects. Yeah. I have the same experience. Um, I've actually thought about this and talked about it with other people before. It's really weird, especially if you grow up. A sim- there are people who end up working in film who like, it's weird to me because I'll be on film sets and I've never been on a film set where anybody else can, and, and this is not really meant to be a brag. It's just, it's, it's my actual experience. Nobody on these film sets can ever hang with me when it comes to talking about film. It seems like all of these actors and people that I work with who are so talented, so much better than me, don't like watch that many movies. Like it's weird sometimes. Like for me in particular, I always have assumed that it was because I watched so many movies and I still watch so many movies, but I, I grew up just watching so many fucking movies um, that it doesn't really feel like these movies that you see just, they feel so far away because they're a magic thing. And, and how could you be doing that? Right. So like, if you make a movie, if like, in my case, if I make a movie, it doesn't like when I watch it, it doesn't feel like a movie because I did it. You know what I mean? And so like, I'm not enjoying movies while I'm making them either because there's so much fucking work. And then by the time the movie comes out, all I can remember when I watch a movie is like every fucking detail about the production. Like when I watch one of my movies, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember I told that actor over and over again that the line was wrong and they just still read it that way. So I just gave up because we're running out of time. So like, I'll hear a line and I'll be like, oh my God, dude, that actor could not get the line right. And we had to just keep going. Or like, I, I remember that day it was 
really hot and and that person was constantly arguing with that person and I felt like I had to play mediator while I was in the middle of, you know I just remember the making of it so much it, it doesn't feel like a thing that the other movies that I watch feel like when I watch other movies they're movies but when I watch something of mine it's just me watching like a bunch of memories of the production yeah yeah so that's at least my experience. I also have the same thing. I have a really hard time appreciating stuff as I'm doing it because I just am so focused on it that it's, you know, I don't really, I'm not a big live in the moment. I've never been good at it. Yeah. Um, neither have I. And I don't know what, wh- why that is. I, I don't know what it is. You know, and I think, you know, with the people I made, I made the projects with, we'll go, we'll reminisce and that's fun. But like, you just kind of wish like you were in that moment of like, you were just in the moment, you know, and you were kind of like, damn, like, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, (laughs) like what, what's, what's happening right now is pretty cool. You know, um, I guess that's what, you know, behind the scenes photos and stuff are for, but, um, but before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any words of advice for anyone, you know, your age, younger, older, um, any other you know advice for writers or directors trying to overcome you know rejection or feeling rejected as a writer director anything that maybe any tips that you have worked on you know to kind of help yourself throughout all of this like when you're feeling rejected is there anything exercises or anything you do to to help you out um honestly i I don't have any good advice advice is hard i've been on a couple podcasts and you can you get asked some similar question and it's like it's every time I've found myself giving advice, I've listened to the episode of it like, oh God, I sound like a bitter like asshole. My advice is usually, this is the advice I gave on the last one. So I'm going to give it again. Uh, I still feel like it's accurate. And I hope people don't take it the wrong way. But if you do not like eat, sleep, breathe film, like if it is not a physical compulsion for you to be making it, then find something else to do because it's, it's a lot of heartbreak. Um, it, the, the likelihood of it um, being the way that you think it will be is very small. You have to find new things to appreciate about it because when you think about what it's like to make a movie and then you make a movie um, it's literally not in any way the same. So like you have to really, really, really just love it and appreciate it as an art um, because if it's not something you're 100% committed to, it's just going to hurt you so much. Yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think that sounds bitter. I don't think that, I think that's really well said because I don't, don't know about you people. Um, and I don't think it was anyone's job to tell me this, but people never told me like how it really was going to be, <laughs> you know, like I grad, I started college a little bit late. I was 22 when I started, I graduated when I was 25. And in the midst of being in college, all of us thought we were going to be like the next Tarantino link later, Paul Thomas Sanders. Like we just thought like we're going to get out of school and we're going to just make a bunch of cool shit. And we're going to just like, we're going to get hired by like someone from LA right away. Like we, we all thought that it wasn't just me. We all thought that way. And little by little people started graduating and realizing like, Oh wait, I, I have to be a pizza delivery driver. I have to work at a bar. I have to do this job. That's not film related. Okay. But like, and then I would be like, what's still, you know, I'm not saying I'm not trying to make myself sound good, but myself and other people, a few other people were the catalyst of like, 
let's make films on the weekends. There's nothing stopping us from doing that. And some people are just jaded. So what you said is pretty fucking accurate, man. It's very much like, you know, if you don't li- if you don't think about this 24-7. Now, there's times where people may take breaks, right? Or they may just... I do all the time. Every yeah. three months, I take like two weeks off because I'm like, <laughs> I physically make myself ill with how much time I put into mm-hmm. everything I do that like, I just physically can't do it without taking breaks every like six to eight weeks. I'm like, I need two weeks where I'm not answering any fucking yeah. messages. Like, yeah, that's what I mean though. The, it, to sum it up for, for people, it's, if you could be just as happy doing something else, then do it. Exactly. Because I don't, I don't think um, this ain't for the faint of heart. Like there's a lot of, and you know, this topic has been brought up more lately. You know, I've heard more people talk about this than, than not about how no one really posts their L's or their losses online. Right. And it would be such a really interesting world if we actually did that. (laughs) Like if we actually did that, um, how the world would would be because it's you're being a little bit more vulnerable you know you're you're being more real than like what facebook what social media perceives your your life to be um there's a lot for me i don't know about you i've i've taken i felt like i've taken more rejections i don't want to say taken more losses but i've had more rejections i've had more feeling of rejection than um great feel like a good feeling in this industry and like i said the good the good feeling in this industry i didn't really embrace like i didn't get to embrace it you know if at an award show if i won an award i was too nervous to know what i was going to say it wasn't recorded i'm usually at festivals by myself so like you know you're not able to really like kind of like you know that's not something that you're able to really try to embrace and enjoy. Um, so yeah, there's what you're saying is a hundred percent accurate. And I think that for anyone who's into it, younger, older, you know, if you're, if you're in your forties and trying to break into it, or if you're in your teens and you're trying to break into it, you need to know, like, if you absolutely love this, then you have to stick with it. But if this is something that you're just like, ah, this is something I might true this. I might try this month or I might do this month or, you know, then, and if you don't, let me reiterate, sorry. If you're just trying to be like, oh, I want to start this as a hobby. That's how I started with like, oh, I love, I love movies. Let me go to, you know, let me, let me do this as a hobby. Then I went to school for it and I ended up falling in love with it. There's nothing wrong with starting a hobby and then being like, this shit ain't for me. But like, I feel like you, any hobby you pick up, you need to really like, really like try your hardest and if it and if then if you're like well fuck this shit then it's then you're like okay i'm not i'm not doing it so yeah it's just your priorities change the longer you do it you kind of like when i first started i i wrote a screenplay i it was the first time i was going to direct something of my own i was like i'm really proud of this script worst case scenario it probably only plays at a few festivals best case scenario I get a fucking Oscar nomination. I'm the youngest person to ever get one, right? Like it sounds dumb when you hear it, but that's really how your mind works because of whatever reason, um, you know, accolades are so important. And even if you win them, like I've gotten a few, I've, I've also taken a lot of L's, so to speak. But as I've gone along, I have to look at every project of 
I will be happy when this is all said and done if I made something that I'm proud of, that I'm that everybody else is proud of. If everybody on this film takes pride in this project, it could not win a single thing and that would be cool. And I used to not have that. Like if I told myself four years ago that that would be cool, then the younger me would be like, that's just lazy, dude. You need to go mm-hmm. for the fucking, you need to go balls to the wall. That's already, that's already giving up. That's already not trying as hard when you don't have, you know, an actual tangible goal in mind, but that's just a young person that doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. I agree. I agree. And it's the mentality of it too, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you, man. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on. Oh shit. I, I've stopped asking people that because everyone is like, I'm going to cut this out, but people have been like, uh yeah nah uh, yeah nah so I'll ask you I could ask you I'll I'll talk about therapy and I'll add it in the beginning of the episode all right I'll ask I don't give a sh- people have been very like I don't want to talk about it, so I've stopped asking people um so do you um to to start things off do you do you go to therapy or what are your thoughts on therapy have you gone to therapy what you know um I personally think therapy for artists. And maybe, and obviously, non-artists as well, but more so for artists is very, very essential. Um, what What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, my opinion on therapy has changed a lot. i I used to have a therapist when I was younger. I haven't gone to therapy in like eight years, probably, but I had one when I, I was a very troubled teenager. I was getting in a lot of trouble, so I had somebody assigned by the state that would come and visit me every week and talk to me. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. We didn't talk about much I've hardly ever talked about um tough things I always kind of just talked about what my last week was like what my holiday was like if I hadn't seen them looking back I'm like man I was going through such a hard time I didn't spend any of that valuable time with an expert working through things that probably would have made my young adulthood easier um but at the same time I'm very distrustful of therapy um I'm, I'm very open about my emotions to my friends and families that I don't, how, like. do, they, how do they take it? Um, pretty good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty open book for the most part. Um, I, I do like to handle my things on my own and I like to ha- have my own pace when I, when I talk to people about my problems, I don't like to be for, and that's the thing with therapy that always kind of irked me is um, it's like having an assignment, you know, it's like, tell me how you feel on my time. You're scheduled once a week. You haven't processed it the way that might be best for you, but because I have you for 30 minutes, now you have to unpack these things. Um, and I didn't really like that not having control of it. I, I, I do very much like to process things in my own speed and I'll talk about them when I feel ready and I don't have any embarrassment about mm-hmm. that, but there's just something so weird about therapy like if therapy were free right if everybody could have free therapy that would be different um it does it does get a little bit political but like i think all healthcare should be free for everybody on earth but that aside like if there was just a fund right if it was taxed out of everybody's taxes so that everybody can go to therapy the therapists get paid what they you know deserve but like it's not an exchange like i'm not physically paying them to listen to my problems then i would feel a lot better telling them my problems, but because it's a, it's commodified, right? There's just something weird about like, 
I wouldn't go up to my best friend and be like, here's 40 bucks. Let me talk to you about some potentially very weird topics, right? Um, obviously, these are trained professionals, which so it's different, but there's just, it's an exchange of things. And if I felt like they had no motive other than just loving it, you know, it sounds weird to say out loud. I've never really rationalized it that way. But like, if I knew that the therapist like truly loved it and that there was no possible way that it was just about the money and like they weren't just going through the motions with me like they were with other people. That's, that's always what I'm scared of. I'm like, if I go to a therapist, they're going to listen. They might say something that's insightful, but is it insightful because it's specific to me or is it insightful because psychology is a science after all? And it's from a list of responses that they've developed over the years as a therapist. They, you know, all similar enough problems probably have similar enough solutions. So like, am I getting really catered advice and um, perspective or is this person on autopilot and because I'll never actually know I don't really know therapy is for me because I just have too many hang-ups about like what are their motives why would somebody sit there and listen to all of these things when I'm I don't know much about them like I want my therapist to talk to me just as like I want to know all about my therapist I want to know their baggage so I know who I'm talking to I don't really want to sit there and talk to someone who's essentially a stranger who I'm paying you know, the, the concept of therapy is awesome. And I, I, most people I know are in therapy and they all say that it's great. And they tell me that therapy would be good for me. And I'm like, you're totally right. But I just have too many mental hangups about the fact that it's, I'm paying them and they're strangers essentially. And I don't know, I'm too distrustful. I'm cynical about why, you know, how therapy is. Um, but as a concept, therapy would be awesome. I think eventually I'll probably get back on the horse and try it. But, um, I'm too cynical. I mean, that's how I, that's how I felt about it. I, um, I was very much like, I took the more machismo macho way of like, Oh, I don't fucking need it. Like, do they really give a shit about me? Like, do they really like, do they really care what I have to say? Like, I'm just paying them to listen to my problems and how are they going to help me? So right off the bat, I, I told him, you know, I got the, my wife went to therapy first. Um, so I went through her like contacts, right? Like she recommended me or, or she forwarded me the information essentially. And it took me a few months to kind of finally like email them, um, you know, at the beginning of, 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 of COVID, um, you know, I moved in. I hate like I moved in the day Kobe Bryant died, just a bad omen. And then and then I had really bad health issues. COVID happened. So like between the health issues and COVID, I was like, I'm never gonna film again. Like I'm just not like I wrote scripts thinking this was gonna be over in two weeks and it's you know, still, you know, the, the spikes in COVID are, are always fluctuating throughout the year. Um, still. But I needed to talk to someone, but I was like, ah, you know, I don't I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about it. And they worked with like pricing with me. And I has, I said everything you said, man. I was like, you guys don't give a shit about me. Like, and I was very brutally honest. I was like, man, if I, if I fucking offed myself, I'm just another like case you have to close. And then you're going to fill that spot for 45 minutes every week. Like, I'm just, I'm no one to you guys. And, 
anyway, with my therapist anyway, she seems very much like she really is, you know, she, she's not just like on autopilot. Like her 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 questions and her you know, how she kind of conducts, I guess, our sessions makes it makes me think. If I didn't feel like I was like gaining anything from it, I'd stop it right away. But I've been gaining a lot from it the past two years. And it's helped, you know, it, it's helped as, as, but. Do you think that in most cases, I mean, people probably don't go through all of that schooling if they don't care. No, so no, no. But, I get, but I definitely get what you're saying where yeah, people are wouldn't just even be like, specifically that yeah. I, that I am assuming that anybody would, but because I can't confirm it, it's more of a, my need for control than, than me really just assuming that there are shitty people out there that don't actually want to help others right most they probably all do um but it's just one of those things it's like there's just something weird about it to me there's just something so formal about it i would um and i know that i need it like that's 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 another thing you know i wouldn't say like oh i don't need that like you know i know that it would be extremely helpful i also just think like huh right now for me with all of the weird things that I still haven't dealt with about like why seeing a therapist would annoy me. Like I would probably spend so much time in therapy, not breaking any ground. Right. You know, people talk about like those breakthrough sessions or whatever. I don't know that I'd ever have one because I would, you know, I would be nice. I would be cordial. I would, I would talk about things that felt safe, but like, because of my innate distrust, I, it feels like it would be a lost cause to go to therapy because I would never have any real breakthroughs because I'm not trusting enough to get to that level. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, man. It sounds like what you know what you're saying is something I I, I would be I was going through. You know, like I I don't know what my breakthrough was, but there was one session I remember. She's like, "This is your lowest point right now." Like, I, she's like, "I could just." I could just tell like this is the lowest you're going to now be in therapy. So, you know, look at that, deal with it as, as you may. And now try to work. Now we're going to try and work ourselves back up to build you. And that it's just going to take a while. It's going to take a long time, man. I got a lot, a lot of stuff I need to deal with. I went to therapy for one thing and I haven't even talked about that one thing yet. You know, like I started, you know, very much um from the ground floor of like where where i feel like my my issues have been stemming from so um but i i really believe i i i i i can definitely respect where you're coming from because it's and especially if you have that open dialogue with people in your life who are not going to judge you i necessarily didn't think i i felt like i had that so maybe that not maybe but that's why i went that way too because i didn't have an open dialogue i didn't have people just you know, saying, I say how I feel. And then they're like, oh, well, you're, you know, it's just rub it off, you know, shake it off. Like, I don't need to hear that. You know, I need, I need, I need, I'm coming to you for advice, you know? So if you have people in your life who actually you talk to and they give you sound advice and they give you, and they help you and they, they, they make your life better by talking to them, then yeah, what's the point of therapy in my opinion? Because you have that already for free in your life. There's other, you know, that for me, I didn't. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I, I need to find a professional to, to help me with it. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about a lot of stuff and just kind of being an open book and, 
And yeah, man, it was better. Every time we talk, it's like I, I get to know you more and more, and I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, guys, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. This is once again writer, director, producer Jesse Eastman out of well, going to be out of Austin, Texas soon. So um, obviously, make sure to um, follow him when I post our trailer on, on on Instagram and stuff like that. And once again, Jesse, thank you for coming on. All right, later, man. Thank you. See ya. Once again, this is Where Is My Mind, a podcast about mental health and the arts. I'm host and producer of the podcast, Christopher Arangio. All episodes will be available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and Amazon Music. Once again, this is Chris Arangio, and thank you for supporting.